Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. Uh, this week we are covering 0083 Episode 5, uh, Mayfly of Space Episodes 1 and 2, and Evolve Episode 4, and 0083 Rebellion Volume 6. That sounds like a mouthful, but it's really not, I promise. Uh, we have uh, Luke. Hello. And Scotty. Yeah. The, the, the um, Vinyl Tech Mustang, the, the front suspension, is it the that one joint up under? You guys aren't going to know. Never mind. I don't know, but I'm still working on this this guy, and his, his swords just don't look good. They don't look good. I'm working on the, the Granddaddy Gundam right now. Oh, your uh, 1144 Revive. <laughs> All right. Um, I wish I had a gun to work on in the hills of Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, I, I took a... One time I had a two-week work trip to sunny La Jolla, and you would think that I might want to do, you know, hey, you're in Southern California things, but it was still the dead of January, so it wasn't like there was a lot of sunlight when we got back from the office. So I brought a master grade Zaku with me <laughs> got through most of it. I did that in West Virginia once, not a master grade Zaku, but I, I took, I took a, I took another model with me. Now the best part is uh, I have no Gundams and my help, my whole team has the flu. So oh God. at least it's not coronavirus. That's true. You it hope could be. it could be. We have <laughs> place to get here. Yeah. Um, all right. So we ended off episode four, uh, Gato and, um, well, it's just Gato really like launches into space with, uh, with unit one and, um, or was it unit two? Sorry, my bad. Um, unit two. And that's pretty much that. Um, so episode five starts off, uh, and they actually give us a date. It's, uh, October 31st of 0083. Spoopy. Yeah. This is the first one where it's, actually in 0083 right or were they already in 0083 because i know when it started it was like 0081 or something i think well no when it started we were doing like the about the battle of solomon briefly and the battle of about um and then i think it jumped into like early 0082 or 83 oh maybe i have no idea what i'm talking about clearly the manga has ko and keith like at a new year celebration Oh yeah, three. But this one is—I mean, this is directly after episode four. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally full of shit then. So, th this starts to be where where part of the anime falls apart for me. At, at least, like, not falls apart. I, that's not a bad or a good characterization of what I feel. But like, it, it's Nina. Let's talk about Nina. All of a sudden, Nina wants to bang Ko. Well, sorta. It's like it's like she's got you know. It's like he's her brother and she wants to bang him, but she knows it's her brother and it's wrong and she hates herself for it. But it's not actually her brother. I don't know why she is so upset about it. I don't know. She's she's still like in an anime. I mean I feel like you've been on Pornhub a little bit too much the past few days. Who me? Yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> um, just you know. And look, in, in Luke's defense, a lot of anime has that like, these incestual, like at least undercurrents to it, sometimes more explicit than others. But 
a, a lot of a lot of anime has that that whole like bro con sis con thing going on dude let me tell you i'm watching uh uh shimonetta right now i'm just i'm all of their anime is ruined for me now <laughs> yeah i it, I just the the Ko and Nina thing just seemed out of nowhere, and it's like you have a very toxic relationship. It, it in the anime, Nina's very toxic. She's better represented in the manga, I think. Um, it's but, it's like two. It, it is kind of like two different characters. I, I agree. I every time I watch the show and go back to the anime, I feel like I'm not reading the same thing. Yeah, it's it's very different uh, as far as like her characterization well, goes. Yeah, like Nina here is very much I'm trying to think of a way to describe Nina because I've met people like this and I don't I can't say I know people like this because I I've met people like this and I didn't want to keep knowing them. The, right? She's like got an on and off switch. Yeah, or maybe the way to put it is this is like in college when there were those spoiled girls that expected like like someone had to do everything, like even if they like to do, you know, and, and and some guys do this too. I'm not like you know some some guys expect it. They like a girl that she has to do everything. I'm just saying, it's a personality thing. Um, it, it, like it, we'll get into this. And I think this is more of maybe like an episode seven thing, if I remember, maybe six, where like she's ma- expecting Ko to make every move, and mm-hmm. if he if he doesn't do just the right thing, it's instantly like goes from hot to cold. Yeah. Uh, it's a very like high school level of emotional maturity that you see out of Nina in the next several episodes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, agree with that. yeah I get that. Um, so yeah, they, they're, they're prepping unit one for space combat um, because it's tuned for earth gravity right now. Um, and this becomes like a theme for the next few episodes, actually. Um, Do we want to talk about why that matters? Have we ever gotten nerdy into that part of things? We haven't gotten super nerdy about that. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead. Let's talk yeah. about the actuators and all that, like leveling off and all that fun stuff. And like the AMBAC system. And uh, well, anyway, so if you have a giant robot on Earth, then you know what we see a lot is that it's made for a specific type of terrain. Uh, we see this in Thunderbolt a good bit with these specific marine suits, but then also these more uh, amphibious suits, which I think I'm maybe mixing up the terminology in Gundam, but the way you might think of like an animal marine amphibious, yeah. uh, where the stuff that's mostly designed for underwater will look a certain way. You've got the Atlas, which is kind of made for ground and underwater, so it's very strange. Uh, you have uh, different things with, that are like cold weather types, which are not always, they, they usually just change the color palette on those. Yeah. And then it's, it's some inexplicable under the hood mechanical change that makes it better. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, has more insulation or, you know, whatever it is. So when something is on earth, it's typically going to be made for a particular thing. And, and in I'm, this is not universal century, but in cosmic era, they have this other, um, I'm forget. I'm blanking on the name of it or off the top of my head, but like for desert combat, for the Bakus to be able to like move over the sand dunes very easily, they have a specific type of technology that is used in those for that purpose. Um, 
So the reason this would matter in the case of the Gundam is it's been doing its test runs in Australia on a kind of particular type of terrain, just like, like we've seen it. Yeah, like wasteland, like rocky area, kind of just you know, terrain, ground terrain. Yeah, and and while it can jump and and like rocket and stuff like that, that's very different terrain than space. Well, yeah, <laughs> space. Yeah. yeah, they specifically were talking about, and hopefully I'm not getting ahead of myself. They were speci they specifically started talking about how it didn't have like any of the balancer, right? Stuff, like programmed, configured, like the calculations weren't done, and so like when he inevitably starts floating around in space, his balance is all jacked up, and he's just kind of like like flailing all over the place and can't function. Which is interesting, and this is another thing that the manga and the anime handle a little bit differently. Um, and we'll get, I mean, I'll talk about it here because we'll probably just forget about it when we get to that point. But uh, when when Ko goes out into space in the manga, he actually takes his little cassette disc with the configuration with him, and he's able to, like, load it up into the system. But in the anime, he, like, drops it because he's in such a rush. Yeah. But, the end well, result seems I, to I think be... in the anime, he had his, and then Nina tried to give him hers, and he, yes. he knocked Oh, him. is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, so he, yep. he used his, and his calculations were all fucked up. Yep. And, and she, caught, she had caught the error beforehand and tried to give him the corrected one, but he was they were there bitching at each other, so... Yeah, but it sounded like either way, um, regardless of, like, his configurations or her configurations, like, the... Their... Uh, their their tweaks to the system are only kind of a band-aid and it would still mm -hmm. um, at best be less mobile than a GM but it still would be effectively an up-armored like uh, up-gunned GM so yeah yeah it, it's something where you can have the calculations compensate for different things to get it to work but it is it's implied never really stated and then I feel like it's implied even more strongly by the fact that once it does get upgraded, it has mostly just extra thrusters yeah. um, that what is, is this is really lacking a proper AMBAC system, or at least like it just has a mimic of one and that's active mass balancing and attitude control system. And the reason that this is very important for a mobile suit in space is if you go to space and you are in zero gravity, if you move your arm up, well, the conservation of, energy or whatnot means there's going to be another reaction somewhere else that you're going to be causing another part of your body to move around. So with a mobile suit, having the mass that it does, it has to have a system to compensate uh, for that, you know, the movement and what is going to happen when one part of a suit moves and then it's going to cause forces that cause the rest of it to move. So it can be advantageous and that's why mobile suits are specialized and they are high mobility in zero gravity. You can take advantage of that, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you have to have stuff that enables the pilot to control it, and you just don't. Oops! I accidentally swung the arm too far too many times, and now I'm uh, just going in circles, spinning <laughs> forever. Yeah, but you do. <laughs> I mean, into the ether of space now. But you hit an, uh, the nail on the head a little bit. Like I think in Thunderbolt, for example, there's like a few cases where they'll launch themselves in the mobile suits and then they'll just turn the thrusters off, turn power off, and just kind of like float indefinitely in a certain direction. So yeah, um, and you'll hear them sometimes mention inertial flight. Yeah, yeah. If and if you've ever read Ender's Game, it, like they have this space scenario where they talk about this and like 
great detail and it's actually pretty cool because they have this like little indoor war game type thing that all of the cadets in in the space mm-hmm. station play and they're like grabbing things and like spinning off of them and then like if they if they miss it they like slam into something and break their arms because they can't like slow themselves down it's pretty cool yep and just remember psycho frame negates all of it you can just do whatever the hell you want to yeah you don't need to you don't need a space mod a, a psycho frame duh it makes it as easy as your human body floating in space <laughs> or if you're Kiriyamato, you just got plenty of beams. You can do you just shoot whoever you want. <laughs> All right, so uh, Admiral Cohen sent two more ships to assist for the the search of Unit Two. Um, they they mentioned the names of these ships, but um, they're brown shirts, so they're not going to stick around very long. Um, but we do get to see. Wow. I never heard that brown shirt. I always heard it as red shirt. Oh, I'm sorry, red shirts. I brown shirts is the uh, is is the Nazi thing. Oh, oh. <laughs> so sorry. I saw uh, there was like a news story where somebody called somebody like digital brown shirts, and it has like been stuck in my head all day. See, the funny thing is, is you said brown shirts, and I I knew what you meant. <laughs> we all knew it was a Star Star Trek reference. I followed. I was just, I was like, really? Is that, is that what wrong that color? Is? Right meaning. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah. So the, we know these guys uh, are going to blow up pretty quickly because they're not really introduced other than like maybe like a frame or two of like the captains of these ships. But um, we get to see uh, Sema and the, there's, there's some backstory here. Uh, if we were in the, in the manga, we actually got that, like, uh, in the first, like, five or six chapters, we talked about it. She kind of got, like, a legit introduction. Um, in the anime, she's just kind of here. Um, and they have the Mayfly episodes. Uh, I guess we can talk about them a little bit. Um, I feel like the Mayfly episodes, which are these sm- short little OVAs, one of them was... I think came out around the time that 0083 was being released. And then um, episode two of Mayfly uh, was 2016 and has like a few scenes that seem to take from the manga, better animation quality and, and I, stuff like that. I would hesitate to even say better animation quality. Cause it's more like a, like a picture yeah. drama where it's just like scenes. It's almost like a storyboard playing it's colored stuff from the manga done like in a motion style motion comic yeah. style yeah, almost yeah. like a motion comic style motion but style. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. there's exactly. a couple of oh, sorry go ahead i was just say there's a couple of new bits of animation like the gerbera tetra taking off uh, is shown and that's a new one but a lot of it is just cropped to 16 by 9 animation that was already made oh and the gpo2 and her gelgoog marine facing off yeah uh, which uh, is not something that you see in the show it is something that was given animation, but the, yeah, the first Mayfly short is, is very, very short. It's, yeah. And, and yeah. I guess if, if you had with credits, <laughs> yeah, if you hadn't seen, or if you hadn't read the manga, the Mayfly shorts kind of intimate that Seema is mentally deranged for some reason or another. She's bothered about something like she's having nightmares, flashbacks, flashbacks, um, but the no, manga I mean, they're, very clear war flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, the manga very clearly spells out like 
she is mentally traumatized from gassing that colony um, way back in the one year war. Um, one of the things that the uh, manga shows that we didn't really see in uh, the anime is that um, Seema basically clashes. We mentioned that there's like a little scene in, in Mayfly too, but Seema clashes with um, Gato um, and her Gelgoog. And then they like kind of break off and he's like, why the hell is she here? Um, so yeah. Did you get a, you, so the first time I watched Mayfly too, because I think this came out with the 0083 Blu-rays mm -hmm. in Japan. And then it was also on the Blu-ray set here. Right. Uh, the first time I watched through it was when I got these Blu-rays and I was like, what, what's happening? I don't understand. It's a SEMA clip show. Right. And I would say that we just sort of stopped in the middle of talking about episode five, because that is technically where the placement of these would be. But if you have not finished the entire series of 0083, you should not watch the second Mayfly special because right. it, it will tell you like everything that's going to happen almost. Um, yeah. But regardless, um, so there's, there's some kind of neat scenes from the manga. Now that we've been following that along with it, I really like this second special now because it shows you Karama point like a brief shot of that. So you get to see those ships. You see some of that dialogue. You get the confrontation between her and Gato, and it's in that motion comic form. But right. you, you get to see that at least, uh, you know, that as part of this, um, you know, and then you get a little bit of reflection. Now they do put in that stuff, and this is jumping ahead of our uh, other topics, but you see Gail a little bit. And that was especially a part where not following the manga the first time. I was like, who the hell is this? What is all this? But again, now... You know, having read that, I can appreciate that as a, excuse me, uh, you know, as a nice nod, a reference to that. And this was maybe some promo material for, hey, go buy these manga. <laughs> I mean, not for us because we, I mean, we could, but it would still be in, in Japanese. I couldn't. Right. So uh, anyway, the other, uh, the only other note I had on it uh, was in the flashback scene of a Bawaku, when they mentioned them escaping to E-Field or the SEMA fleet. Uh, I don't know if this was because they reused a radar scope or if this was a reference, but um, it just happened to be kind of looking up and hit pause on something to take a note. And the uh, Jotunheim from Igloo is on the radar scope at the battle of a Bawaku <laughs> as being kind of off like, and one of the, I forget which field it had it placed in. Um, but I thought that was a, that's a neat reference, even though I think Igloo is not very good. Uh, it's always cool to see nods to those other works uh, in these other ones. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I, find, I find it interesting that they would reference Igloo of all things. That's why I said maybe they reused the asset. Then again, I mean, this being from 2016, I don't. I mean, it could be as simple as whatever animator was doing that. It was involved. It was just a nerd. Yeah. And it was like, that would have been here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, Gato is not a big fan of SEMA. Um, he, you know, when he finally gets back with uh, Admiral Delaz, he kind of, and, and the anime and the manga handle this slightly differently. The anime, in the anime, she's like in the room while, well, he doesn't know at first, but he's like, um, like, 
get the, get her the fuck out of here. Um, and uh, yeah, and then in the anime, she almost hit. Well, I think in both of them, her ship almost nails his ship. Um, but it's just like the timing of these things are slightly differently um, shown in the different content. But um, yeah, so her fleet is going to attack the Federation ships in the anime. Um, but again, Gato thinks that Seema's going to bring shame to Zeon. Um, but he ultimately kind of gives in to Delaz. He's like, well, you know, I pledged my life to you, so I'll let you, you know, I trust you with her, I guess. <laughs> um, and we, in the manga, there's a little bit that with Miller still, um, she is still in the manga um, she's not as important as she was in the previous few chapters, but she's basically said, yeah, I've turned in the, the report and she's like kind of snarky and, you know, edgy as she is in, in this anime or in this manga. Um, yeah. So in the anime, they, they talk about needing I, to replace the core fighter of the Gundam. So it's more mobile in space, I, which is a little bit. I was gonna say I, I had to groan a little bit when she was like, "I've already submitted my report." I was like, "Oh, damn you!" Oh, yeah. Um, and you skipped, but we did skip mention that uh, in the the things going on in the manga, just kind of before they launch, because they're still on Earth doing this Inquisition thing. Oh yeah, right? yeah. The timing uh, is a little bit different between yeah, these two. Yeah, it, it's well, maybe less compressed, or yeah, I mean, different's probably the easiest way to to put it. Um, but you actually get a little bit of content of Sanders from the 08th MS team. Um, so you I have the Inquisition took part on the moon, did it not? No, no. Oh. I didn't take notes of where exactly it took. Yeah, because uh, you had Sanders there before that all started. Uh, and he is on Earth the whole time. He's stationed at Lhasa. Okay. And that's where you have him kind of sticking up. So they, they rework that scene. Right? I think another one might happen with it. Um, I didn't take notes on the manga, but anyway. Uh, but you have Sanders getting involved in like a fight with the, the fourth team and guy station on earth and co and he's like about to punch co and he like looks at him and something in his eyes like it kind of has this uh vignetted uh overlaid uh, flat like behind right behind co's head when like sanders is looking at him has shiro's face and so it like reminds him of him and so then later he has an opportunity to like stick up for him at that bar and and does so and it's it's a small little thing it's like well, it's a that, cameo a few times, and but yeah, it was cool. And well, and, and that kind of like they've had these few chapters at the at the ends of each of the volumes where it like brings in people, and we saw um, Shiro and one of the ends. No, it was it wasn't Shiro? We saw it was Matt um, Healy and Ken yeah, Matt Healy. So like they're slowly like bringing in like a few people here and there just to like say like, hey, these people exist, um, which is I think is pretty cool. And Shiro is still busy. I mean, they've got to be on baby number four at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing we do, they do mention in the manga that I actually like that they they kind of like retcon this is 
So when we we see that Co or Keith and Co went to Australia together um, to be test pilots, but one of the things that the manga very specifically states is that they were going to be the prototype pilots um, as opposed to just like generic test pilots for like these old shitty um, mobile suits that they were testing in the anime. Um, so it, it's not like they just like start like like Ko just like jumped into the suit like completely unprepared. Uh, it's kind of like what we've talked about a little bit with um, uh, like the 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 mo the mobile suit Gundam book where like they kind of retcon things to make them just a, a little bit more co coherent. Where uh, like um, Amaro is like a actual fighter pilot. <laughs> Yeah, so he doesn't just like pick up the the book and is like, ah, I am now, I am now an expert mobile suit pilot. <laughs> he, read, he read that book in an afternoon. No, <laughs> I can suspend disbelief on this stuff, but I understand that there is an audience that doesn't want to have to do that. Yeah, I don't mind Listen, suspending you're watching, disbelief. You're watching a show about giant robots, future fighting in space, but holy shit. He wouldn't have been able to pilot that giant robot. You don't know how easy it is to pilot a giant robot in space. So it's it's funny because like if we go to like some of the systems like um like an Iron Blood Orphans where it like actually hooks into their nervous system, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like he becomes part of the mobile suit at that point, right? Like, but in these when they have like three thousand buttons that they have to push, then I'm like, all right, come on, like Well, that was part of the reason that so, I mean, the reason Gundam is revolutionary is because you're supposed to be able to believe that Amaro could get in that and pilot it. And that's why the controls were more or less two foot pedals and two uh, levers, for lack of a better term, and, you know, with some buttons on them. Uh, so it's maybe one of those easy to learn, more difficult to master things. But that realism, I, look, I understand putting that in there. That's yeah. part of the appeal. That makes this not be uh, Ideon or whatever other super robot show you want it to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, like Scotty mentioned, we see Ko and Keith get in a fight with uh, some of the local soldiers. Um, this is in the manga um, because Mancha's guys are talking shit. Ko and Keith aren't really involved, but they get roped in because of proximity and I guess relations. Um, and at this point, Cole gets three days in solitary and um, Miller comes up and is talking shit when he's in his cell and tells him that uh, he's to talk to an inquiry commission and they're going to blame his lack of piloting ability for the lot for the loss of unit two. Mm -hmm. um, they, they do, some of this stuff in replacement of other things in the monk and the anime that I think the narrative is pretty, pretty good. Um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out like the best way to address this, the, the con continuity of all this stuff, because it's, it jumps around a lot between the anime and the manga. So let's just go, um, Nina and, and um, what is what is her giant friend's name? Mora. Mora. Nina and Mora are talking on and off, and this happens both manga and anime. But Mora is basically like 
saying, don't, you know, like these guys are like thrown into a war, they're in dangerous situations. And Nina kind of takes that um, to heart and it's like, well, I need to protect um, Ko and I'm going to make sure he doesn't ever need to fight again. Um, I'm going to take him out of the Gundam that I built because she feels like if he dies, it's like on her for some reason because she like designed the, the Gundam. Um, and what better way to maturely address that than to, you know, just be a completely cold bitch to him in the cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah. She's like terrible to him. Like he's yeah. like going down to sit, sit and eat lunch with her. And she's like, well, that, he, that, that transition was really weird to me. Like it, it, it felt like it, like we missed the part where she got mad. I don't know. Yeah, I think she like mental again. This was like that on-off switch thing. She just basically was like, "Nope, I can't be nice to him because that means if I'm nice to him, I want him. I'll let him do what he wants, and he's going to pilot the gun and die." (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Maybe look, Nina sucks, and this is just evidence number a lot of Nina sucks. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and and she intimates that she might let Mancha pilot the Gundam. I think she was doing, it seemed like she was doing that just to fuck with uh with Ko though. Yeah. Like she was just intentionally trying to rile him up. Yeah. 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 So I never I never really got the impression that her attitude was because she was worried about Ko so much as she was worried about the Gundam and was embarrassed about how she felt feels about Ko. It's more the impression I got. I, I got the I get the impression in the in the anime that she's conflicted. Like she obviously doesn't want Ko to get hurt, but she also does care a lot about her her toy. Um, in the manga, I think it's more clear cut that she um, cares about him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's. So uh, chapter twenty five of the manga, and volume six, is where kind of like the commission uh, place happens. Um, like she's not rude to him in the cafeteria in this one because he just goes straight to jail and then the commission. Um, so like they're basically like a lot of this whole commission and with, with Miller's report and everything like that is a kind of like a summary of the things that have happened up to this point in the manga, um, and the anime and just kind of like straight telling, but you know, they're kind of like putting blame on Ko because he's like a, a new pilot. Um, and he's got people defending him and criticizing him. Um, Burning defends him and says like, you know, I was a superior officer. It's my fault. I, I take responsibility. Um, but then they pull up Nina and they say, well, what do you think as the engineer of the Gundam? And she says, well, Mon should be, should be the next co- Gundam pilot since Ko isn't experienced enough. Um, and yeah, that's, she throws him under the bus. So he goes, he gets emo, butt hurt. Um, yep. But now this is just the first day. And so if I'm recalling correctly, you can stop me if I don't, he has to go back to the brig and then it's uh, Tanya, who is a character not in the anime, uh, that then kind of lets him know that he can just get like the, the test data for the Gundam and it would like numerically show that he's the best at the Gundam. Yeah. She, she basically unlocks his solitary confinement door and is like, you know, you can, 
nobody's watching you. We don't have cameras in prison. <laughs> yeah, remember the theme. Everyone in the Federation in this is really bad at what they do. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, eventually Ko goes and he finds Nina and... <laughs> And this is like this is probably one of the stupider scenes of the manga, but Nina basically agrees to let Ko pilot the Gundam if he promises that he'll come back from fighting Gato alive. Yeah, I, I, I prom I promise. Promise me, Nid. I swear I'll come back alive. Uh, nah, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get fucking wrecked on your Gundam. Sorry, girl. <laughs> I, I kind of read this a little bit like Team America. <laughs> I will have sex yeah. with you if you just say you'll never die. And he's just like lies like straight up. He's like, I will never die. <laughs> and then he looks at the camera. <laughs> yep. Yep. I feel like um, Poe, if this was animated, he would give a knowing look to the camera. Like, well, okay. Yeah. So at the end of the day, they go back and basically nothing comes out of the Miller report and Miller leaves and Co is basically the pilot still. Has um, anything ever come out of any of Miller's reports though? Character building and absolution of some of the mistakes of the main character. Yes. I dropped my notebook. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I meant. <laughs> oh, right. From a practical standpoint. Yeah. If she doesn't. Unless that's her plan. No, it's not her plan. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Um, so at this point, um, Delaz gives his speech uh, where he hijacks all of the comms. Yeah, so, okay. Here's the thing. You got Seema's Zanzibar is starting to attack the Albion and its escort ships, whatever they were called, just a couple of Solomon ships. Uh, and then... So the fourth team is going to launch. They're trying to intercept those Gilgoogs that Seema's ships have launched. Delaz starts giving this speech, and this is where, to me, uh, he's like trying to be—he's trying to be Garen so hard, but this speech isn't any good. It's so boring and so yeah. long. Isn't his nickname like the Shadow of Garen or something like that? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah, yeah he, he basically like. He's like Gearin without the Hitler. He's like Diet Gearin. I like that. Diet Gearin. Diet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. That's that's a Yeah, because he I mean he's not even like racist like Gearin. He's just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean I mean he's an effective leader because he's he's managed to get his whole entire fleet and Seema's fleet. Um and and do do what they're doing. Um, he seems like they've you know. He seems good from like a leadership perspective, but uh, yeah, he's he needs to get a speechwriter. Yeah, and and he is shown to have. I think he has a strong rapport with the frontline soldiers, and I think just because he was a high ranking uh, officer that idolized Garen, that was in that Garen faction of Zeon, right? I mean, everyone that is fighting in the Delaz fleet, you would presume is that Garen faction of Zeon, what we yeah. would think about as the Cassilia faction went or went to Axis. Um, so, yep. So um, this, I only mentioned the speech because I feel like it goes on for half the episode. I think it's more like a quarter of the episode. It's way too long. Yeah. They, I mean, they intersperse it with a lot of action. Um, yeah. He basically says the treat, the, the, 
the treaty to end the war was signed by traitors. And so it's invalid, even though it's three years later. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so this is where you have the stuff that we mentioned earlier about. Uh, so Co is supposed to be using Burning's GM. Yep. Because it is tuned. But then he goes in the Gundam anyway. And because of the incident with Nina in the cafeteria, he's like rejects her calculation disc or whatever that floppy disc is anyway. And um, goes out in the Gundam and he kind of just by chance takes out a Gelgoog pretty quickly yeah. with like one shot from the beam rifle. But after that, he starts to have trouble. I have a trivia note here at this part. Um, I don't know if this was seen before in the show to this point, but I just happened to mention it here. So this is right after Cena kind of Sema, Cena, he's John Cena. Um, <laughs> Sema Garahau joins the battle and that's when some of these Gelgoogs are able to break through the defensive line. They take out those escort Solomon ships and they give this panning shot of the Albion. And I noticed on the neck where it says UN Spacey. And I have a trivia note about this. So uh, UN Spacey up until I want to say 99 uh, was whenever you, we now think of Earth Federation Space Forces and EFSF and things like that. Like that is what is in Gundam. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at a lot of model kits like from the 90s or earlier for Universal Century, you don't see that. You see UN Spacey. Yeah. And uh, some of this is me speculating. Uh, but it was at the Perfect Grade RX-78-2, so the first Perfect Grade model kit. They took the UN Spacey off and started putting the EFSF. And obviously this show was made like seven years before that, roughly six or seven years. Uh, so when... They were bringing Gundam over to the West you, with UN Spacey. You start to see that used in, well, here it would be used in uh, Robotech for all the bullshit that is Robotech, which some of our listeners are go, oh no, we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but UN Spacey is something that is used in a lot of shows. So I think one of the, one of the reasons and, and, I'm just going to say I could be speculating here. I feel like I read this somewhere was when they were trying to bring it out more globally, they needed to find like a term that was more specific, more unique than UN Spacey, which is used in uh, what uh, Mospita, like all kinds of mecha shows. We'll just throw Macross that in there. Too, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's what I meant by like Robotech. Like Macross is the actual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah but, isn't Macross like. Robotech is like an amalgamation of like two or three different shows. Yeah, I think three. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole mess. And like the license holder basically exists to hold the license yeah. and doesn't really, like they won't just, they won't just like release the damn show over here. The Wikipedia page is a trip to read. If any, anybody's bored, go and read the Robotech Wikipedia page and it will explain how effed up this whole situation is. Yeah. No, look, as a Transformers dude, like these assholes like prevented cool like Jetfire and Skyfire toys for happening for the longest time. <laughs> and finally, the last time they sued about something like it, I want to say it was when, yeah, so uh, Hasbro put Skyfire Deco, just the paint job on the G.I. Joe Sky Striker, which is more resemblant of like an F-16. And Harmony Gold was like, yeah, 
let's go sue somebody because they're kind of like IP trolls yeah. or squatters. Like that's the easiest way for me to think about them. And uh, yeah, long story short, that got thrown out with prejudice. And so <laughs> now they can't sue Hasbro about that. And Hasbro since then has, it's like the world opened up and we have awesome Jetfire and Skyfire toys again. This is an aside to that too. I, I love like reading like the history of like, um, like courts giving like, yes, you won this lawsuit, but you're an idiot type thing. Like um, since the XFL just recently started back up, um, there, there was like a, a thing back in the early eighties where uh where president Trump and a group of people with him had like sued uh, the other owners of the XFL for, for something. And like he, they were right on paper, but like apparently like his behavior as like with his court was like so bad that the court awarded him a $1 check, which he never cashed. (laughs) That's, that's a, that is excellent. Yeah, apparently it's like framed somewhere. Like he has it in one of his buildings or something like that. It's the of course the whole trouble is being technically correct is actually a thing and and has been weaponized in in our American politics. Uh, But now we're way way off topic. Let's get back to this fight. Delaz is still giving his damn speech. Even you could probably overlay it through that entire damn aside we just did. It'd still be going. It is. That was like a pretty good chunk of the episode. He was just rambling on. Um, yeah, so Seema uh, kicks Keith's ass and then proceeds to kick Ko's ass. Um, and but Burning is like watching this and he's like, "No!" He like busts off his his uh, um, cast and just jumps in his GM and um, pushes pushes uh, Seema back. Uh, she runs out of ammo in the in both series, basically. So she she can't press any for, forward any further. But, you know, they've taken out the two escort ships. So, well, hey, how about Burning, though, launches and immediately scores a kill? <laughs> I mean, he's part of the Immortal unit. Yeah. Yeah. the leg, too, right? Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, I don't know if we... I don't know if you mentioned it. I tuned it out or not. But um, the busting his own cast-off thing... With his like crutch, yeah, he just like b- broke bad. it off and was like, "Ah, fuck it, I'm healed enough." <laughs> that old man strength. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Nina now goes back and forth between being more worried about the Gundam and more worried about Ko. I have notes such as. Um, uh, we have cold bitch Nina more worried about Gundam, but now Nina, the bipolar bitch, is more worried about Ko again. And then my notes just trail off because I was like, oh. yeah. One one thing to note in the manga, um, they they pace things a little bit differently. So like Ko and Nina are arguing about his space calculations, and he's like, no, I'll show you my my shit's right. So he gets in the 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 suit. And launches, and there's no battle at this point. Um, it's only once he gets out into space that they get attacked, and that's why it's like it's it's 
it's intimated to be like, oh, well, shit. Cause, because they're getting ready to send the Gundam to the moon. So, you know, Cole was like, yeah, I'll pilot Burning's GM on our patrols while the Unit 1 is getting repaired on the moon. Um, so in the manga, the Gundam gets wrecked, um, and Nina gets in, like, this transport ship with Tanya, and they catch the Gundam, um, and then they, like, fly down to the moon temporarily to repair the, the Gundam. Um, and they have, like, this scene where burning and the rest of the fourth that gets back together and keith is with them too so it's kind of and like they kind of make fun of keith they're like oh yeah you're you're not really part of us <laughs> yeah um but yeah so in the anime uh nina is pissed off that the gundam was damaged uh and taken out uh but she still cares about ko and wants to bang him the end and then Delaz finally declares war on the Earth Federation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he finishes his speech like at the end an hour the after the battle's done. He's just like kind of rambling around. Yeah. Uh, I think my highlight of that episode was kind of exactly the, the point you made. It was, uh, oh no, my Gundam. I don't care what happens to my Gundam though, as long as Ko is okay. But if my Gundam gets fucked up, that's that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah, I, this episode to me is very chaotic in its direction in the yeah. last roughly one third. There's a lot going on, but they try to show you everything going on all at once, all the time, and it could be a lot better than it is. Uh, I think if you just focus on the space battle a little bit more. And some of less of the stuff going on around it, like you could maybe set that stuff up beforehand. Like I don't know, it's very. Yeah, I, I can watch this episode and get really engrossed in like a battle scene for like a hot five seconds, and then it's going to switch me to something else. Well, that's why, it's, like, the manga does some things, and I like some of them and I dislike some of them, but the narrative is way more consistent. Like the manga is basically like. Gato gets in space. He's, you know, sniping and like taking out Federation ships. Um, he meets up and encounters C Sima. He lets Sima know that he doesn't like it. Meanwhile, on Earth, like they're getting ready to launch. Uh, and then they launch after getting into a bar fight. Uh, or they, they have the whole commission thing that deals with Cole being the Gundam pilot. That's confirmed that he's the Gundam pilot. They get in space and they're like, ah, uh, shit, this is not going to work. Uh, and then the Gundam gets wrecked. You know, like, I feel like the anime is, like, way more, like, bounce left, right, left, right, left, right, like a ping pong table. Yeah, it goes to the same place, just takes a different route Yeah, to get there. Um, and then we have, so I think this is a very optional thing to watch. But in between episodes five and six, you have Evolve episode four. And Evolve episode four was made in 2002. And this is 100% a promo short for the then about to be released 1144th model kit, high grade model kit of the GPO3 stamen with the dendrobium. If you have ever seen that model kit, 
so it, from the the back of it, the back of the thrusters to the end of its like big dick cannon or whatever it is, <laughs> the lance thing, um, it's it's a meter, and this is a one one forty fourth scale. Okay, the box for this kit is the size of a perfect grade box. Jeez. Again, this is a high grade one one forty fourth. So, do you think this is a uh longer than the psychozaku yeah i think it is actually <laughs> um now maybe the psychozaku has some more girth uh, but you know i think i think just pure length uh this one still is gonna outdo it a little bit um <laughs> yes we are we are chuckling um okay so yeah look this is just a fun little thing that uh um yeah it was it, hard to watch really quality wise this was like one of the worst evolves for me so the first half is kind of stupid i'll give you that yeah i don't actually know who's talking like in the narration because i've watched the show dubbed and i don't know what these voices are that i'm hearing better speaking and i don't think it i think one of them was um oh, man uh what's the name of the engineer on levy and rose lisette yeah, I think one of them was. I think she was the pilot of GPO three. No, Lucette talks to the pilot of GPO three. I think she mentions it as Defra. I don't know if that's a was a good translation or not, but uh, and that's not. Those are not the voices I mentioned. It's the ones like at the very beginning. Oh, I think it, are, are those like the Zaku pilots? Not the Zaku pilots. I think one of them is meant to be the Anaheim director. Oh. And then the other, I don't, I don't actually know um, if that's the rival engineer lady or, or whoever it is. But anyway, um, yeah. So they're just kind of talking about the, the only worthwhile thing in there is that it gives some color that uh, Admiral Jamitov finds the GP project, that Gundam development project, uh, quote distasteful. And so that's a name that, as we get to the end of this and into Zeta, is going to come up a lot. And so it's kind of, uh, to me, it's one of those things where I like to see things get eased into a little bit. And this is one way that this is easing us into Zeta. Right. Is, here's our name drop of Jamitov, or Yamitov, however you say it anyway. Um, but I think it's pretty cool when you get to the point where you have it docking with the dendrobium and fighting the Xeon forces outside the Levian Rose, because then it really is. Yeah. The CGI is dated, but it is just a tech demo. Yeah. Yeah. This thing's going to blow some shit up and here's it going to be like, we're going to show you doing that. And there's a really cool part where this Gelgoog like latches onto the Lance armament cannon thingy. And it has these extra little grabby arms and they grab that Gelgoog. Oh and yeah. Then, like answers it. Well, it not only pincers it, but it almost, it, it's like, a, I don't know, I don't think it's on purpose, but it's a lot like burning in his cast and just throws that thing against the back of the fuselage and it, pff, done. Yeah. It's done. Shows it has an eye field. Anyway, um, so you get this post credits thing. They mentioned that it survives. So this kind of gives you this other thing that if you watch it while you're watching 0083, it, it lets you know like there's something else out there. And I think this is a nice place for that to happen. And you get to then forget about it a while, but it'll come back. Um, they mentioned the Albion is coming to port tomorrow. So that's where you get the episode placement. Um, and then you get this very quick tease of the GPO four. Um, and this was actually, uh, I'm going to shut up after this one. Uh, 
in the manga when they show the GPO four like teaser, there's also this thing that they get into, and I may be jumping ahead a bit, uh, but it's about the GP unit zero, and there yep. is a um, this has to be on purpose. Uh, it, this is actually a, a sneaky homage to the tall geese um, with the GP unit zero, because you only see that one picture of its blueprint, but it has a big gun on the right. It has a big round shield on its left it has two big ass boosters in the back. It's unit zero uh, which was Nick tall geese's designation was like Oz MS zero or something like that. And, um, it never went in, in this case, it never went into development, but like the tall geese never went into mass production for the same reason GP or arc 78 to unit zero never went into, uh, development is that the G forces were too much for a pilot to handle, which is <laughs> the whole, stick of the tall geese you have to you have to be someone like zex with plot armor to be able to handle those g-forces um and so I, I thought that was a clever a very clever nod uh to a another continuities uh, mobile suit in the manga yeah yeah it was, it was interesting it was again it's man some of the evolves are easier to watch than others i find the ones that are dark um are harder to like view because they're just the, the polygons all kind of meld together um it's so like yeah maybe my tv is doing some upscaling or something i don't know i mean i'm just watching it on the ps4 on the dvd yeah. but i have the dvd i think you did too because it's like really cheap yeah i have the dvd yeah evolve is really really cheap if you've never seen it you can go on right stuff that thing is regularly like eight bucks yeah it's cheap it's cheap all right, guys. Anything else with this one? I think that's all I got. I I honestly thought this was going to be a really short episode, but we made a lot out of this. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. I again, I I was glad to have it. I was like, all right, if if this goes like twenty minutes, what are we going to talk out about for about another fifteen minutes, just so we don't have like a twenty minute episode? But uh, I have a lot less to say about the next two. Yeah, the next two are really great. So yeah. Um, next episode, we will talk about, um, episodes, uh, six and seven. And then the manga, I think is just, um, volume six, no volume seven. Yeah. Volume seven ish things start to. Yeah. So, uh, reach out to us, feel, to, feel free to tweet at us at new type flashpod on Twitter. Reach out to us on the Gundam uh, Mobile Suit Gundam subreddit. Um, we like hearing your guys' feedback, and we we actually do discuss when we hear somebody you know saying, "Hey, we like this," or "Hey, you suck," and we don't like your opinions on this or that. So, like, we we listen to it, we talk about it, and we try to like let that roll. Even if nothing actively happens. I promise you, we read all of it and consider it. Yes. So we will see you next time. Thanks, guys.